Welcome to Force Points to the Point Cybersecurity Podcast. Each week, join Eric Trexler and Erica Pierce to explore the latest in government cybersecurity news and trending topics. Always covered in 15 minutes or less. Now, let's get to the point. Hi, and welcome to episode seven of To The Point Cybersecurity. I'm your host, Erica Pierce. And of course, I have with me Eric Trexler. Hi, Eric. How's it going, Erica? It's going well. So we're excited about the um, the episode that we have today. Uh, if you listen to, I believe it was episode four, Eric and I talked about Force Points um, recent CDM Insight and Trends breakfast. And um, Eric gave a great debrief of the breakfast. Um, if you listen, you know that I got my, my flight was canceled, so I actually missed being there. But um, one of the things that Eric talked about was a survey um, that was recently released by Market Connections, which focused on asking CDM um, government stakeholders about the pulse of the program, where it's going, where it's been, their challenges and, and such. And we are um, fortunate today to have Aaron Heffron, who's president of Marketing Connections, here to talk more about those survey results and to um, give us some some different insights um, into you know what government is really thinking about the CDM program. So Aaron, that was a long intro, but that was my way of saying welcome. Thanks, Erica. <laughs> great, great. Well, Aaron, we like to get to the point here. Um, that's the name of the, the podcast. So just as we start out, so for those of our listeners who weren't at the breakfast or who haven't listened to episode four yet, tell us what was the um, the purpose of the survey and, and what was the process? T- just talk to us about how things started off and, and sort of who you reached out to and what some of the responses were. Sure. So we started back in this past summer, the summer of 2018, and uh, we have a number of our clients, uh, clients of Market Connections come to us and want to find out a couple different things. They either want to identify the solutions and how their solutions are perceived in, out there in the industry, hear from government agencies, a little bit of feedback, or in other cases, really find out more about what are the issues and challenges these folks are facing day to day. And that's really where this came from, is a look at what are the challenges CDM folks are facing day to day. It could be working to meet certain requirements. It could be the status of where they stand right now or the challenges, concerns and frustrations they have going forward. So what we did is we went out and surveyed uh, the federal community. Uh, We did surveys with 200 federal civilian IT professionals, decision makers who Mm -hmm. have a role and knowledge of the CDM process that's going on in their agency. Uh, We did the surveys lasted about 20 minutes. Uh, followed them with some in-depth interviews with other uh, folks who are in the agency realm and working in this area and went through and and took a look at all those and and tallied it up to see really what their challenges and frustrations are and what keeps them up at night and what helps them sleep a little better. And what did you find out? So we found out really a broad range of different things. And, uh, you know, in general, there is they're generally happy with some ways that the CDM rollout process is going in their agencies. They have a relatively positive outlook, uh, both as the way it stands right now, but also where it's going. 
Uh, but they see that from the perspective of what they believe the ultimate benefits are going to be. Uh, they see it as this is going to be great for us. Uh, this is going to improve overall security. It's going to make us uh, and allow us to uh, really react faster, react sooner, uh, be stronger in our reactions and our ability to uh, address situations as they come up. Um, and, you know, all of those come, they come with certain frustrations and concerns that they have, concerns over the op, the way new systems are going to work with old systems, uh, the way that, you know, are they going to be given the tools and the ability to react in a dynamic way to people? Mm-hmm. Um, and ultimately, you know, as everybody's concerned about, there are budget and, and ROI type of concerns that they have. From a budgeting perspective, you know, all of this costs money, whether it's dollars or time. Uh, It all takes, uh, you know, it all challenges you uh, day to day, whether you're at the top in the managerial positions or you're the day to day doer. That was the biggest surprise I recognized or saw in the survey results. The technical implementers, the analysts, the people who are actually working with the technology were seem to be as worried or more so than the actual managers who manage the budgets and the acquisition process. That was surprising to me, Aaron. Yeah, I would agree with you. I would agree in that often the, you know, in, you know conventional wisdom says the person who's the manager who has ultimate responsibility over all of this and I guess the biggest view on the budget would have the biggest concerns. Mm-hmm. But I think that those individuals uh, are able to see a little bit of the bigger picture and see what the ultimate benefits are going to be. Uh, and know that, hey, this is going to roll out in the way that we want it to. The day-to-day folks are realizing, oh, man, it's, it's, it's hard work. Um, it's not easy. Um, there are a lot of tools and a lot of things I have to concern. They're worried about getting from Tuesday to Wednesday. Uh, the managers are worried and directors are worried about getting from 2018 to 2019. And Aaron, I actually, I, I was reading the white paper right before we um, got on this, uh, the podcast today. And so can you speak a little bit more about some of the, um, the CDM adoption priorities? I, I thought that was an interesting piece in terms of, um, you know, what agencies are, are, are really thinking in terms of um, what's, mo- what's most important to them in terms of CDM. Yeah, and it, it is. It's And the biggest issues and, and the priorities for them are one, uh, that they want to make sure that uh, there is some real compatibility and they can uh, respond faster to the attacks that are coming in. Um, They also want to be able to be more proactive, uh, to be able to have some level, uh, have their systems be dynamic in a way that allows them to quickly react, even if there's not a a person immediately on it at all times. They want systems that can really uh, address those security threats as they arise, be unique for the different individuals that are around there, and and help them kind of innovate in their security and enhance the security. So it's more than what they may be able to think about at this moment. It's expanding what it's able, what they're able to do uh, on a day-to-day basis. That almost sounds like our risk adaptive strategy to some point, to some extent, 
really, really looking at what's going on in the business and adapting on the fly so that humans don't have to get in the loop and slow things down. Yeah, that, that definitely came up. I mean, the, they saw they, you know, and, and in talking to some of the folks one-on-one, uh, they realized that they couldn't, they could fix machines and fix problems, but they couldn't fix people. <laughs> and people are good the point. Good point <laughs> in life. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I wish I could. I, I would be a lot richer than I am right now. Um, but the uh, but they wanted to be able to have it to kind of take a little bit of the human element out of it and allow. I know this sounds like Skynet type of situation here, but allow the machines to be able to dynamically work in those situations and allow the individuals to do what they do best and not have to worry about these other things. It actually sounds ideal from a technology perspective. So I had a question for Aaron as we were prepping for this, you know, part of, tell me about the skeptics, right? The Mm. the people who weren't on board, how, how, from the interview perspective, from the results perspective, how, how do we sway them? How does the program management office sway them? How do the agencies sway the skeptics? Yeah, this is a, and the the federal audience is always an incredibly risk averse audience. Uh, And we've, we've seen this now in the 20 years we've been doing research in the federal, especially in the federal IT space. Nobody likes change. Right. (laughs) B, everybody's worried about what the change is going to do to the status quo. And three, they're going to worry about what problems are going to emerge out of this that we haven't even thought of? So the the thing that you can do is really explain to them uh, how this is reducing risk uh, more than it is causing increased risk. And it's reducing the risk from a global perspective, a larger perspective, and allows them to say, look, now you can worry about other things. This is something that you can set aside and not have to uh, not have to continuously worry about. It, it's all about calming their nerves, mm-hmm. uh, saying, hey, okay. this is going to work with what they what you have. It's going to allow a lot of different elements to speak to each other. And it's going to be able to help you just do your job easier and better. What was the most surprising finding you found? You know, I think, yeah, I think it goes back to that difference we saw between the people who are in the weeds and the management side of things. Uh, You know, managers, director folks, you know, they're often the ones ultimately with their tail on the line of whether something works or not or whether it improves or not. And the day-to-day workers and implementers feel that, hey, I'm going to be doing the same thing today, tomorrow, regardless of what the directive is. I'm going to be doing my job. Uh, I found it interesting that there's that flip-flop that that the managers and directors were really on board uh, that they said, this is important to do. I may not know the nuts and bolts of this, but I understand this is important to do. And there was a, a, quite a bit of enabling that was going on from leadership in order to help move this forward. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, definitely some some fascinating results. So um, I recommend all of our listeners to definitely download the the white paper um, that has an analysis of the survey. Uh, it can be found on Market Connections website and also on Force Points website, and we'll include that link in our, our show notes. 
So thanks, thanks, Aaron, so much for um, the work that you guys did here. I, I do have a, a last question for you, Aaron. Um, so I wasn't at the um, breakfast because of travel challenges, but I did watch the webcast. And you admitted that you were going to a wedding that weekend that you were not looking forward to. So. <laughs> oh, tell us what happened, Aaron. So I'm curious, How was, was it, it as bad or was it better than you expected? <laughs> well, I, I will tell you that we had a very nice time at the wedding. Uh, it was beautiful outside, but I will say driving home on Monday night, um, we were involved in a four car accident and oh, our no. car was nearly totaled oh, my uh, goodness. from behind and hauled away. We were all OK. Everybody was OK. Uh, but I, I thought this is great. What a great weekend this has been. We drove home. We were hit from behind cars in the shop now and came home to no air conditioning in oh, the house. Wow. So it was the wedding itself was great. The arrival home, not so much. Well, Tells life is a lot about our fears. <laughs> I was going to say life is funny like that sometimes. <laughs> Isn't, it? So, yeah. Isn't it? It all balances out. But I'm thanks glad, for asking. I'm glad everybody's OK. Yes, we yes, are. definitely. Most importantly, you. most importantly. Well, before we wrap up, um, I thought we would touch upon um, a interesting news story that I, I know I've seen a couple of uh, articles about. And um, actually, I was watching a uh, CNN news story about it this morning. And so it, it, it's around this Bloomberg um, report that, um, that that came out that a um, that, that China was putting uh, malicious microchips bound for U.S. companies um, in some um, in some servers in the motherboards, mm -hmm. and so these companies that they believe um, or are alleging in the article that may have received these servers are companies like Amazon, Apple, um, and apparently you know what the um, the microchip size of a, a, a grain of rice, so very undetectable. But it, it's interesting um, because the company um, is denying uh, that this happened. Um, Amazon Apple was denying that, um, you know, their systems or their hardware was was compromised. But I, I think it's different. It's interesting from the standpoint of this is a hardware attack versus a software attack. And, you know, I, I'm not aware of these types of things, um, you know, this this happening um, in previous times. We just always hear about software attacks. So curious to get your thoughts. I don't know if either one of you have seen the story. I'm sure you have <laughs> being in this in the technology yeah. space. But um, it, it's, it's interesting, especially, you know, also we saw Google Plus have some compromises. They sort of did not come out immediately and share it. And so it just makes you wonder in terms of, you know, know, how much transparency we'll have as we see more of these cyber risk. But I'm um, curious to get your thoughts from both of you on, on, the, on this new story. And we'll use the word alleged just to make sure that we are, <laughs> we stay safe. <laughs> Aaron? Yeah, so I, I did see the story and I, I thought it was a very interesting uh, perspective in that it was a hardware uh, type of situation. And some of the analysis I was reading of it was talking about how it really had that kind of latent sleeper side of things where it was more of a look and you know, look toward the future. It mm -hmm. was more toward the uh, playing the long game as opposed as opposed to playing the short game uh, in hacking and, and whatnot. So, you know, it's you know, it's going to be something new as hard as we work, you know, with the white hats. There are the people with the black hats that are going to find unique and different ways to do it. Uh, and get to that. I mean, many of our clients were uh, part of this, you know, part of this story and, and 
finding out what was going on. So, you know, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see what effect that has on public's perception of security, whether it's a, right. a blip, whether it's a blip on the radar where everybody goes, oh, yeah, and five months from now, completely forget about it, um, a la Facebook. I mean, I feel like everybody has kind of forgotten about a lot of the the stories and issues with regard to that by this point, and it's blown through. It'll be interesting to see how this plays going forward, whether it's a blip or whether it mm -hmm. it uh, uh, invokes some serious uh, security changes. No, I, I agree. I mean, the in the DC market, the security of the supply chain is a huge topic. Yeah, in fact, we should probably do an enhanced podcast on that. At yeah, some. <laughs> uh, hardware implants, hardware attacks—they're very real. Just like software are, they're they're different. They're more costly, more time consuming. There's a longer longer uh, time frame there. They're usually done in combination with software, also though. Regardless of whether you know we're seeing some denials now, we're seeing some retractions, we're seeing additional data. Something's happening, and I think mm -hmm. it's some. I, I think it's something that the industry needs to look at. The reality is, the majority of the hardware in IT comes out of Asia. Um, it's not U.S. made. Heck, half of it's not, most of it's not U.S. assembled. And it's something in the U.S. that we need to be aware, we, we need to be aware of. But yeah. every country should have that same level of awareness, that same concern, just to make sure that their data processing capability is secure. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's hard because this is something that the common person doesn't necessarily feel or see that effect for, um, effect um, at least per perception along the way. So it's it'll be interesting to see how this how this plays forward and what kind of what kind of legs it has. Yeah, they, they don't even understand it in many right. ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah, imagine if somebody put a microphone in your car and had the ability to record for the duration of your time owning the car. Yeah. They could relate to that. They would probably not be okay with that. A hardware implant could be a very very similar type of of activity. But you can do that in software also. It sure. happens all the time. Yeah. It's a scary world. No, no, it is. And um, I know there's already some congressional inquiries with this specific, um, you know, uh, case. So we'll definitely be following it and, and see how it see it, how it all uh, sort of turns out. But that's all we have time for today. So um, thanks, Aaron, uh, very much. We appreciate all of the um, info that you shared with us regarding the survey and um, the white paper that is now available. Again, we'll have the link in our show notes. And um, we just appreciate all of our listeners for sticking with us on this uh, podcast. So thank you. Erica, always great speaking with you. And thank you, Aaron. Thank you both. Bye-bye. Have a great week. Thanks for joining us on the To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast, brought to you by Forcepoint. For more information and show notes from today's episode, please visit www.forcepoint.com slash govpodcast. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or the Google Play Store. 